Hello, and welcome to the Salisbury Pediatric Associate Health and Wellness Newsletter. This is volume 13, issue number 26, which happens to correspond with the week of June the 12th of 2023. This week, we're going to look at dental care as well as dental history. The corresponding podcast is with Dr. Leslie Stone, number 48, where we discuss the Grow Baby Project, which I find to be incredibly intriguing, looking at the upstream reasons as to why we may be developing more problems perinatally in the obstetrical world for women. And what are the reasonings that we can look at, change, mitigate disease, and potentially come out with better and healthy children and better pregnancies and better perinatal birthing experiences, all of which is encapsulated in the podcast with Dr. Leslie Stone. So dental care and the health of your heart, what do we know? Well, it's been known for quite a while now that the mouth, the teeth, the gums, the health of those three spaces and your heart health are intimately tied. But do you know if you have periodontal disease? And do you know anything about what that means? Do your gums bleed? Do your teeth hurt? Do you have red, beefy, appearing gums? Do you floss daily? Do you brush two or three times a day? Do you have sleep apnea? Do you have other oral problems that may be signs or symptoms of oral periodontal disease? Why does this matter? Well, it turns out that the gingival and tooth-related disease is highly associated with cardiometabolic disease. The main reason is that the bacterial microbes in the oral cavity can travel via the bloodstream places far and wide in the body leading to inflammation and heart disease when the oral cavity is damaged and then manipulated. This especially occurs during tooth decay and periodontal decay phases of oral disease. There are also associations with autoimmune diseases making your oral health very important. An oral microbe can travel to your heart and leak into the vessel wall through a disrupted endothelial lining pushed in there by elevated blood pressure during stress or baseline blood pressure issues and or inflammation, all tied together. Then the microbe can begin a cascade of immune responses leading to more inflammation that can worsen an oxidized LDL lipoproteins issue in the first place, something we call a foam cell that is in the vessel wall leading to, over time, atherosclerosis, which then leads to what we call a heart attack or myocardial infarction. Tests that can be run to look at oral-related cardiovascular disease risk include the high-sensitivity CRP or C-reactive protein, galactin-3, LPPLA2 or LP-phospholipase A2, myeloperoxidase, MPO, apolipoprotein B, And any elevation in these tests can point to an early sign of cardiovascular disease risk and oral hygiene concerns. Let us look at each one in turn. Number one, high-sensitivity CRP, C-reactive protein, is a nonspecific marker of inflammation. What it is is a pentameric molecule, meaning five-sided, that is a cell-signaling immune molecule made in the liver primarily and to a lesser extent in the blood vessel linings. It is made in response to infection, injury, and or inflammation. Its primary role is to recruit other cells to the area to cause further inflammation to deal with the infection or injury. It is elevated in systemic infections, 
autoimmune diseases, and autoinflammatory problems. It is nonspecific and is used to detect the risk for heart attacks and general inflammation and inflammatory diseases. A low CRP is a marker of a resolved or relaxed immune state. A high CRP means you're inflamed. doesn't tell you exactly why, it just does tell you that you are. And in the case of cardiovascular disease, it is associated with impending heart disease. Number two, galactin-3. Galactin-3 is a protein that serves important functions including cell growth, programmed cell death, inflammation, fibrosis, and host defense. It is found in all immune-related cells in the cytoplasm. Its primary role is microbial defense. It is currently being used as a diagnostic marker for heart disease because patients with heart damage have elevated levels of galactin-3 related to the fibrosis of the heart tissue that occurs following cardiomyocyte injury and healing. The article that's associated with is Sharma et al., 2004, and that is in the journal Circulation. Number three, LP-PLA2, which stands for lipoprotein-associated phospholipase A2, and it is a lipase enzyme that activates platelet activity for clotting events to occur. Most of the circulating LP-PLA2 is bound to low-density lipoprotein particles, with the rest being bound to high-density lipoprotein particles. LP-PLA2 is involved in oxidation reactions in the heart vessel walls, which promotes plaque formation in response to oxidized LDL particles in the foam cells of the heart vessel. Again, this is post-inflammation. The oxidized cells are there because they are collecting the LDL particles that have been wedged in there, and sometimes the bacteria is in there as well, and they are swallowed by the macrophage, causing this foam cell, which re releases all kinds of inflammatory cytokines, causing this reaction. Well, in the case, this LPPLA2 is involved in this process, and it is known to change function of HDL, the high-density lipoprotein, reducing its anti-inflammatory effects and the ability to usher in reverse cholesterol transport. So a lot of stuff here. It happens to be a good marker of ASCVD. This comes to us from Di Stefano, 2019, and that is in the journal Immunopathological Pharmacology. Number four, myeloperoxidase. That's an enzyme that is released by neutrophils, white blood cells, and it is done in response to infection to kill a pathogen. It makes a bleach-like acid in the local environment to kill bacteria and viral pathogens. It also is found to be involved in local cardiovascular inflammatory responses and is a marker for cardiovascular disease. That comes just from Zhang et al., Z-H-A-N-G and JAMA, the journal. The fifth one is one I am testing a lot now, apolipoprotein B. ApoB is a numerical value for the total volume of LDL, VLDL, and IDL lipoproteins in circulation. It is a very, very high-quality marker of risk of ASCVD or heart disease in susceptible humans. It is right now to believe to be the greatest predictor of an impending heart attack. And that, that is mostly based on GWAS or genome-wide association data and epidemiologic studies. So the bottom line is you have five tests here. If you wanted to look to see if your oral health is involved in your cardiovascular risk, knowing your family history, which in my case is very high, looking at these things is very valuable. There are companies out there doing this. One of the companies looking at this testing type is oral DNA labs, O-R-A-L DNA labs. So if you had an interest in doing this, which I'm about to do because I'm curious and 
It's fun to do tests if you can do them. Look and see. Do you have risk? What's going on? I have family history that's quite strong, so it's worth looking at. So the bottom line is oral health matters a lot, and the microbes that reside within have a lot to say about our systemic health, especially heart disease, which is near and dear for me. Biofilms are a key concern in oral health as bacteria can try and wall themselves off to protect themselves from our immune cells, our, our, excuse me, our immune system's attack. Breaking this biofilm down is of major use in the treatment of oral cavities. This can take oral manipulation by your dentist every six months, along with high-quality flossing, brushing, and some other oral therapies depending on age, disease, and ASCVD risk. Finding a dentist that can look carefully at your oral cavity from a systemic risk perspective is a good thing. As with all things, controlling the upstream risks for inflammation are key to stopping the onset in the first place. So, what can we do? Number one, try not to extract any teeth at any age, as a tooth has a very specific job of holding space in the jawbone, which is the evolutionary job other than mastication. Number two, brush your teeth, tongue, and oral mucosa to vibrate or mechanically move bacterial biofilms off the surface of the tissue and into salivary fluid for spitting out or washed out with water multiple times a day and especially at night. Three, floss in between all of your teeth after meals or at least before bedtime to remove excess food that the oral bacteria use as fuel for acid production. Four, do not use mouth rinses daily as they can kill off your good bacteria and put you at risk for an opportunistic bacteria to gain a foothold in the oral microbiome, leading to dysbiosis and inflammation. Five, eat lots of fibers, vegetables, and fruits as the process of eating them mechanically removes biofilms on the tooth surface, protecting the teeth from the bacteria. Six, use fluoride-based toothpaste over the age of one year, especially when living in a house with well water. Younger children under the age of five should only use a rice grain-sized rice amount on the toothbrush to control the volume of fluoride. Seven, if you have dry mouth issues, chewing xylitol-based gums can help keep saliva alive and also protect the teeth by the active ingredient altering the microflora of the oral cavity. Xylitol is a 5-carbon polyol sugar that promotes oral flora that prevent cavities in humans. Number eight, control inflammation with diet and supplementation. The Mediterranean diet or an anti-inflammatory diet are a great place to start by loading the system with natural food-based chemicals that promote inflammatory resolution and do not promote inflammation in general. Pro-resolving lipid mediators found in omega-3 fatty acids from fish oil have been beneficial to the human frame for millennia and have beneficial effects systemically for controlling an over-inflammatory immune response such as that which is in periodontitis. Number nine. Consider testing your oral microbiome and finding a dentist that can help you modify any dysbiosis if present. Okay, section two. Spend any time in a pediatric clinic or school setting and you will notice two things, crooked teeth and cavities. Why is this the norm? An article in Scientific American from a few years ago tackles the question. Peter Unger is a dental anthropologist and evolutionary biologist, and he thinks that the issues of today are not the issues of the past. Our ancestral kin did not have similar issues with crowding and cavities. And if they did not, and we do, why? The simple answer is that the change of food types from harder, more fibrous foods to softer and sugar-laden foods has brought about this dysfunctional change that only benefits one group, the dental community, 
that thankfully enter mouths routinely to heal that which we have broken. But the simple answer does not suffice. What is really happening? From his article, Scientific American 2020, Dr. Unger states, The evolutionary history of our teeth explains not only why they are so strong, but also why they fall short today. The basic idea is that the structure evolved to operate within a specific range of environmental conditions, which in the case of our teeth include the chemicals and bacteria in the mouth, as well as strain and abrasion. It follows that changes to the oral environment can catch our teeth off guard, such as the case with our modern diets, which are unlike any in the history of life on our planet. The resulting mismatch between our biology and our behavior explains the dental caries, impacted wisdom teeth, and other orthodontic problems that afflict us. So for me, the largest change in tooth decay, when I looked through the literature, from baseline norms came when humans began to consume refined sugar, carbohydrates, and vast quantities. The same repeated pattern of decay and disease of all systems in the body. Not a surprise. This change reduced the volume of fibrous foods that humans ate, which were abrasive cleaners of the teeth while simultaneously increasing the fuel source of the raw bacteria that produced acid instead of alkali. Once the acid has burned through the enamel, the dentin and the pulp are now exposed and at risk for damage. The enamel cannot be remade, making the tooth forever at risk unless modern dentistry comes to the rescue. This is a repeated pattern for the entire alimentary canal. Refined, high-calorie, low-micronutrient foods coupled with toxins ingested via pesticides and agrochemicals are poisoning our alimentary microbiome from mouth to rectum, causing damage and inflammation throughout to our health detriment. I encourage you to read the whole paper. Scientific American, the year was 2020, Peter Unger, U-N-G-A-R. All right, section three is the recipe of the week, Asian coleslaw, super fast recipe that is tasty, loaded with fiber, vitamin C, and colorful antioxidant phytonutrients, which are great for your mitochondria. The link is in salisburypediatrics.com or in the newsletter. All right, song of the week, secret, The Secret Journey by The Police. Fantastic song, great drummer, great band. Free thoughts, leave a long distance lump bomb somewhere in your environment for another to receive. Dr. Goldberg, Jeremy that is, is a great muse for sharing the love and the joy of life. Highly encourage everyone to do it. Okay, folks, that's all, that's all for this week. As always, hug those kids. The information provided in this newsletter audiocast is for educational and informational purposes only and is not a substitute for advice and or treatment provided by your physician or other healthcare professional and is not to be used to diagnose or treat a health issue and does not constitute formation of a provider-patient relationship. Have a great day.